OTB AM. Think of soccer managers over in England who would be really good guy managers. Nigel Pearson strikes me as like a Talton Cup winning manager. He's the English banty, is that what you're saying? Po- OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. All right, uh, it's that time of the week where we check in on Anthony Nash and talk hurling. Anthony, how are you? Good afternoon, good evening to you. Sure, I've been counting down the minutes to our therapy session this week, so all good now that I hear your voice. There you go, there you go. Um, <laughs> well, you might be able to help us straight off the bat here. I think we alienated our entire Cork population on the crappy quiz today by none of us having a clue whether or not Nemo Rangers were a dual club and then speculating about if you were a good hurler and you were a footballer at Nemo, who would you play for? A little bit of Googling tells me that they do indeed play hurling, is that correct? Oh yeah, I have an All-Ireland medal with James Masters in All-Ireland Intermediate Hurling. So James uh, was playing with the Cork Senior Footballers, obviously, and Nicholas Murphy. And they got knocked out of the um, All-Ireland Series early one year. And we were playing Intermediates. And James, after having an unbelievable campaign um, with Nemo Juniors at the time, uh, I think they were in, did they go Intermediate at that stage, in, I think. And uh, he came in and joined us and we ended up winning an All-Ireland together. So Nicholas Murphy and James Masters have an Intermediate All-Ireland medal in Hurling. All right. So uh, it's funny, the whole intermediate grade being used as a stepping stone. Uh, the best counties do this all the time. The Kerry footballers, you know, very famously, uh, Paddy Clifford would have come through. Maybe it was the, inter- I don't know, was it even the lower division? Junior. It yeah. was, it's called junior in football, intermediate hurling, yeah. Um, was that a valuable thing for you guys? Well, it was unbelievable for me. I wouldn't have made Cork Seniors only for it. Um, so can't talk at the time, we're junior. And then uh, I was sub-goalkeeper to Martin Coleman in the under-21s. And when you the rule was if you won in All Ireland with one year you couldn't play the following year. So Martin was obviously tied in, so I got to play. Um, so we won in All Ireland. It was like almost every second year I got to play the intermediates because Cork took it serious. Um, and we did an unbelievable game there against Kilkenny. I'm not sure what year it was, but like John Tennyson, um, I think Richie Power was playing as well, and a few more like so against us. And we went to a replay. And for anyone that was at it, including the reporters, they said it was one of the best games of hurling of the year. So it was brilliant. We took it serious. Like, and uh, it was a massive stepping stone for me um, because I got to play games at, a, at the highest level I could have played at, at the time. That seems to make sense for particularly a county like Cork, um, where there are really good hurlers in junior and intermediate clubs who maybe mm. aren't naturally part of that scouting network that you would automatically have for the senior clubs. Yeah, it was brilliant. They're doing a thing now at the moment in a lot of counties with development squads. Um, Cork played Tipperary I think during the week in development squads and stuff like that. Now it's very hard, like because, like you know, unless you're a young up and coming player, like you, you know, you're probably finding it hard to give the time to the what's considered to be, I suppose, the second squad in Cork. But um, I think it's a very good idea, and you never know. All you want to do is find one one guy out of the whole thing to be for it to be a success, you know. Um, but it, for me, it was brilliant. I spoke very highly. I think I have three or four into all earned intermediate medals. Like, and there's a lot. Like it, mean, it meant it means and meant a lot to me at the time because. I got to play with guys that went on to play senior before me and um, fortunately enough it helped me kind of bridge that gap from from um, club hurling and underage hurling to senior level hurling then as well. So like I remember I used to go out in the first day of championship, play the intermediate game, come back in, tog back out and go back out to the senior team then straight after it because we used to be on before them. But uh, it was a pity the competition fell away but uh, for us it was huge and for me especially. Yeah. So when you were a kid, were you good enough to make the Cork County team at like under 16, under 14 minor <laughs> Jesus, Joe, you're gonna like I tell you now. I went the most roundabout way. I played under 14 hurling with Limerick, um, so I was under 14 at Limerick, and then uh, we decided that look, I wasn't going to go back down to Limerick with under 15, so I didn't play anything with Cork until I was 16. I was sub goalkeeper for the minors with one dollar, and then closing a one, I think, and then and then I was uh, 
my best position for Cork for a long time was sub goalkeeper. I was always a sub the whole way up. I played one year under twenty one and then obviously got in goals in for Cork eventually, but started my intercounty career down in Limerick, yeah. Um and why did you decide not to stick with Limerick? How did that work? Uh basically um basically it was a situation where so I played an under fourteen um an under fourteen competition with Duhalo, sorry, under sixteen and uh, the Limerick selector was there my father was there and they knew each other and said James Pity is not from Limerick and my father said well he was born down there so I jumped down and played with them and then the week before the competition they made me sub goalkeeper so that didn't sit well with my family um, so then it was kind of a look we'll see how we get on we'll leave it off for another year and then I eventually got a trial for the Cork Miners and stuff like that but I was living in Cork all my life I was living in Cantork all my life so it was a bit of a um, strange situation so then I came back up and got involved with Cork Miners in. Um, it was just because I hadn't gotten approached by the Cork under-14s at any stage or any Cork underage setup. Uh, because Cantork at the time, I suppose, we were kind of in Duhalo, which wasn't considered to be a hurling stronghold. Um, so I hadn't been, maybe I wasn't good enough, but I wasn't spotted anyway. Well, I was going to ask, how do you how do you get spotted in uh, somewhere that's, you know, technically off-Broadway when it comes to Cork hurling to, to make the minor squad even? Well, the Rebel Oak have set up these development squads now, so you have North Cork, East Cork, West Cork, and um, South Cork, and the city and stuff like that. So you get it picked from the clubs in, and then the minor under-16 management will look at that and kind of take the best out of that in as well. So it's kind of they're throwing out the nets a lot wider at the moment, which is great. Gives lads an opportunity to put their hands up and stuff like that. Like even Seamus Harney did there, I don't think he played under-age hurling for Cork. I don't even think he played on Trion hurling for Cork and then he got into UCC and played well there and got picked up for the seniors. Like, and now he's obviously a exception to the rule. Like, but nowadays in Cork, it's the fact that the county is so big, like um, the development squads and these other things, they're, they're a good idea, good help to get players through to, through to the system. Then, yeah. It's funny, the late bloomers and the ones who slip through the net, mm. like with the Irish sport in, in all sports uh, is littered with, with uh, players who kind of come through later in their careers for various different reasons. And um, I think it seems like we're getting better at having those conversations about letting players play over age, their relative age effect. I know Fionn Fitzgerald has done loads on it. I know the FAI are now um, making it standard that they're going to have uh, different age groups play against each other as opposed to it just being if you're born in January or February, away you go, you're a superstar. And if you're born in October, best of luck to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I think was it Henry Sheffin was a 13 when he started hurling. Maybe that's incorrect though. But, like, you know, you have a lot of people that just pick it up late now obviously again there are exceptions to the rule like you know majority of the time like you know they're picked up the whole way up like and being involved with the Cork 20s at the moment the majority of our squad would have gone through development squads the whole way up like so um, you're always looking for that one and we throw trials to everybody to come in and have a look and see can we pick up someone like you know so like it's it's there and I know um, other counties have done that as well but I, I think the fact that social media um, you know contacting people is a lot easier than years ago then as well like you often hear about people young fellas playing then as well so like the, you know it's 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 rare enough when a when a diamond isn't isn't caught up early in the system you know there's one last point on this before we get on to some of the stories of the week um, Arthur Arthur James O'Dee's book about Limerick mm. has a great section about the academy and there's a, a meeting famously early on where uh, all the underage coaches are asked, you know, uh, what's your aim this year? And they're all like, oh, to win the All-Ireland. And they're like, oh, that's actually the wrong answer. Your job is to produce players for the senior team. And there's kind of a sea change in, op- in opinion that comes after that. We are naturally competitive as individuals. You know, if if you go and watch the kids play, they want medals, they want, they, they're keeping score even though no one's allowed. So there's a tricky balancing act, isn't there, when you're involved with underage uh, teams? 
So, like, basically, like, I, I actually agree with a lot of what that statement there, like, because, like, at the end of the day, we, I went to see Limerick play Cork under 21s, or selfishly as a Cork senior at the time. Mark Coleman, Dara Fitzgibbon, Luke Mead, and Shane Kingston were playing under 21, and they lost to Limerick by a point or two. Now, that management team obviously left gutted as a senior hurler. I was delighted because I saw four talented people coming through to the senior squad. But then again, like, when you are given a job of, like, for example, if that's the case with us at under 20, we were only feeding players through to the thing, like, you don't take it that way you do try and win everything you can. And then it takes a very brave county board or academy head to say, look, you didn't win the All-Ireland, you got us three players. But like at the end of the day, like the, we all want to be successful. Jesus, like if you and I played a game of FIFA or anything, we want to beat each other, you know? Um, and I think that's the way we're always going to be. You, any team you're involved with, you want to beat. But it is, look, it is in the long term, it is the right way of looking at it. But again, it's only a certain handful of people will will realise that let's say Limerick under 16 management handed through three or four players to the senior team eventually the, first of all the majority of people will look and see if they won the All-Ireland Yeah is that um, how do we how do we deal with that right the human nature element of the, the competition but actually in the long run the right thing to do is to create better players more skillful players and if at the end of a game you end up on the wrong side of the scoreboard it's not the be all and end all like at the same time you still want the players who are coming through to be ruthless competitors who in the senior match will crush the opposition the way you want them to so like it, yeah. it's a complex thing to, to get right yeah I, I maybe you were being paid enough but I'm not being paid enough to answer that question anyway like it's 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 not something that's possible because either that or you just take away the competitions as soon as there's a competition involved or that's it, game over, people want to win. And then, I look, I believe there should be minor All-Irelands and stuff. No, I'm a firm believer it should be under 18 because of the pressure those young fellas and Tip and Offaly were put under in the cauldron of Nolan Park last year, but that's for a different debate, day's debate. But like, I do believe that minor 21 and stuff like that should be kept and uh, and and look, win them. But like, with the idea of of like you know the overall picture here being the development the players going through but as, as I said look once it's made competitive that's it game over it's about winning the competition um, I wanted to ask you about the, the Limerick Carlers today they're jetting off to Portugal um, I was just reading that the last time they were in Portugal was just before Covid so they didn't fully get the benefits uh, that season immediately of uh, what John Kiley spoke about where you can do you know pitch session in the morning and then video sessions in the afternoon and he compared that with essentially you can do three or four weeks work in five days because you only have them properly twice a week for training and I, I just I'm interested in this like the you have to still get permission you have to write off to the GAA and say by the way yeah. we're going off on a training camp it's all very yeah. um, it's all very 1880s yeah. uh, you know the, you're allowed to do sure. that like there was uh, I don't know maybe I'll be incorrect in saying this today. I think that Dublin went on a kind of a like it was years ago it was stopped you weren't a logo eh? we weren't a logo uh, on training camps I've been on a number of them a long time ago um, very beneficial uh, you know you do get to live the life of a professional for a week so you get up in the morning and do as, as, as John was saying there your multiple sessions and it's great for bonding as well because you're in each other's company for four or five days uh, you're guaranteed the good weather um, facilities and stuff like that and everything but like I think the J put a stop to it in to try and keep people within Ireland but uh, look uh, I think teams should be allowed to do it like no I know you have people listening in here going ah that's grand for Limerick they have money like whatever like that but like that's always going to be thrown at Limerick like we were we were one year we didn't go and Tipperary did like you know it's 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 up to the counties they're hugely beneficial um, those training camps hugely beneficial no they're expensive and everything like that like but uh, I, I think if teams are able to go, they should be left go. Uh, because, like, like, break those two, like, even break those three sessions down, right? So, if Limerick gather together for pitch sessions, they might gather together for um, weight sessions as well. So, three pitch sessions, maximum, and they're not two hours, but maximum two hours a week, right? Or two hours a session. That's six hours a week. Break that down 20 minutes warm up, 20 minutes warm down. So, now you're down to an hour and 20. 
you know, like you've got, what, three hours of hurling a week approximately together as a group. So like getting these weeks together where you can live the life together, where you can play in together, constantly be hurling, they're hugely beneficial. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a scary thought that Limerick might be about to unleash an even superior version to what we've seen so far. Um, no, I think that in fairness to what I found very, they, they went away in Ireland a good few times. I think they've been to Carton House and a few more places like that. They would have done miniature ones of these anyway. And a lot of teams do that. Like I know Tipperary came to Fota a few times and things like that. And we went to Carton House once or twice and we would have used Fota. Teams do these things in the quiet within Ireland anyway, like, you know. Um, but like, again, it goes back to like, John Coyley is a different job to someone else. John Coyley's job is to win in Ireland for Limerick and nothing else will be a good year for them, right? So, therefore, he's under the pressure and if he feels going to Portugal to benefit the team is the right job, well, then, and if he has the resources to do so, why not? Like, you know, um, I, I know I'd have to write away for permission and stuff like that. I think they stopped, the GA stopped us playing challenge matches at weekends for one year because of the club games. And like, we were like, so basically we had to go and play Dublin on a Wednesday night up in Dublin. So that means half our team had to get a half day off work. So, like, they wouldn't let us play games at the weekend. Like, you know, I, I don't know what the thing was. Sometimes the rules are brought in, and I understand they're brought in for a reason. Like, but none of us were going back to clubs at the time anyway. They were trying to protect the club fixtures and stuff like that during the, like, when it was on the league for us. But, you know, sometimes, I, like, again, going back to that 1880s comment, like, it's just, look, I'm not against, look, I'm not against the J in any way, but sometimes there's some rules just are just, they're ridiculous. Like, that rule, like, they should be a logo if they can. Yeah, a little bit of joined up thinking is, is no harm. 100%. 100%. Yeah. What are the unintended consequences if we do this? And maybe just think that through and, and, um, and game plan a little bit. Uh, like, like Limerick players are not with their clubs. Like, like Limerick at the moment are flying it. Like, you know, like I spoke to you there uh, in text message there. Like, we, like people are on to me there at the moment about Limerick hurling and you said about, under, uh, you know, undercovering another like level of Limerick's game. Like, what I find about Limerick hurling at the moment, and all John Coyle is going to be doing over there, we met Ray Keane in 2006, right? We were, uh, I just joined the panel, and like, it was, I didn't nearly go to the physio the next day because my neck was so sore from staring at him, like, you know, while he was talking. Like, I love Ray Keane, I'm a Man United fan. Um, uh, and he came in to speak to us, like, and he spoke about training sessions. And just to go on about that camp, what they'll be doing over there is perfecting their, their basic skills. So, why are Limerick better than the rest at the moment? They're better than the rest because of their basic skills, because of what they do. They're physically stronger. They're physically fitter and their hurling is better. Ray Keane spoke to us. He brought friends over to uh, Manchester to, for a weekend and they watched some training. They left disappointed and he turned around to him and goes, what did you expect us to be doing? Volleys off trampolines? You know, he said, like, we practiced our first touch. We practiced our passing, shooting and stuff like that. And that's what Limerick will be doing over there as well. And they'll just get better at the basic skills. That's the, the thing I think that um, a lot of people are like previously it was Brian Cody's Kilkenny what are they doing to manufacture this special team and he was very boring about like well you know we work harder it's hooks blocks tackles and as you say first touch um, I remember too famously whenever Joe Schmidt came into Leinster he said we want to be the best passing team in Europe and they were all looking around going is that it? And then they became the best, yeah. best passing team in Europe and uh, won three European Cups. Like, uh, but it's the, it is an absolute basic skill. If you are slightly better at it than everybody else, the athleticism of your team is going to be similar to everybody's. Basically, there's not that many things that you can actually tweak. A few tactical things, a few technical things. But if you're the best at the basics, that's the thing that separates you. So if you look at Limerick at the moment and every other team, every other team are allowing their full back line have the puck outs, right? Every other team is allowed... You look at Limerick, right? And I know Barry's my cousin, so I might be a bit biased here. Barry, Sean, Finn, and Mike Casey were there last year. All three of those can give that 30 yard pass to Darrow Donovan coming back. So all of a sudden, they've broken that team system of stepping back off the cornerbacks to give him the ball. They don't mind. They're saying, that's fine. We'll still get the ball to our midfielder. But what is that skill? It's a pass. It's a 30 yard pass. It's a basic 30 yard pass to hand. 
So like Limerick haven't invented these new skills. They're excellent at flicking the ball off the ground with the one hand when they're under pressure. But apart from that, they're the best at retaining their own possession. How do you do that? You hand pass, you move, or you strike pass. And and, and like there's no other skill. Limerick haven't invented this other skill to you know make a make a huge change in hurling in any manner of means. They retain their possession and they turn you over more than any other team. Now there might be stats people listening in on Twitter and saying, Oh, a certain team are better. But you understand my point, like that they're able to maintain the ball in their own hand more often than opposition and they're able to turn you over better than most oppositions so therefore they have the ball for longer periods of the game They also have confidence to pass to a man who might ordinarily or on another team feel like he's in danger it's kind of the, the Liverpool thing where they won't pass to Fabinho sometimes because they're like well your form is so bad at the moment we're worried you're going to lose it whereas actually when he's in form they just ping it to him and he controls it and keeps it I'd say there's an unwritten rule down there like you have to be a good hurler like you know and I, that, like that's, that's, that's a given if you look through all of their team, give me one guy that, like we've all been involved in teams where we've had a fella that's, you know, an incredible man marker, uh, you know, club level, whatever level, but he, like you don't fancy giving him the ball because he's striking wouldn't be amazing. Like I cannot say at any manner, I mean, any Limerick player can catch a ball or can strike a ball, you know, at a, at, at a high, extremely high level. So therefore, they have confidence in each other to play the risky passes, as you said, is there. And they're the ones that get you out of jail. Like those t- 10 yard passes to get you out of trouble trust the guy like what I found very good especially with Keane Lynch is when he's coming with a man and he's back they'll still give him the ball because they trust him that he's going to catch the ball so it takes you away from the contact zone remember wherever the slitter is opposition try and send two or three players there to dispossess you if you can move that point of contact faster at inter-county level well therefore you're out and then you're on the, on the attack and a lot of the times it's Gerard Hegarty Tom Morrissey Keane Lynch coming under pressure the man up their back in a one-on-one but they retain, they retain the ball so well Do you think it's a mistake that other teams are allowing Limerick to have possession of the ball then when like it, it seems the way you're describing it here fairly obvious? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a headache here, right? So imagine you have a team. Do you allow Barry Nash and though I said the those as have the ball, or do you allow them go one on one on top of Grod Higgerty with a puck out? <laughs> I like to be honest, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> you're going from the frying pan into the fire. Um I think teams are just trying to adapt to try and find out what's the best way to turn them over, like. Um, you know, and, and like not only have you got an athlete of six foot four proportion, you've got a athlete that can actually hurl as well. So um, they're a very difficult team to break down. They're, they're not unbeatable. I'm not saying that, of course, I'm not saying that. But you have to be at the peak of your powers to to get near them. Um, stopping their puck outs and retaining your own is actually more important because they absolutely thrive in turning opposition's puck outs over. Um, I, my natural instinct is though to say be aggressive and attack and uh, and don't let them get into the rhythm of having their their fullback line be comfortable in possession so if you mm. upset that right and then then okay so it's not a 50-50 it's definitely not a 50-50 no, I get you, yeah. but yeah. at least then you know you can send people to create a war on that and of course Limerick might win that war but at least you're depleting their resources over the course of 75-82 minutes however long games are these days yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the way teams are going to go this year. I actually think that they're going to just say, look, we know that the three and the full back line are comfortable. You know? And what they're hoping still is that, like, rather than Nicky Quaid picking a target out, you're a moving defender trying to find a guy outside. But they've worked on that so well. Again, it's like it goes back to our original conversation there. Like their basic skills are so um, so in sync with each other, you know, and they're so strong at it. Like that, you're going to have to do something different. And maybe it is, as you said, since that fifty-fifty battle, it might be a fifty-five forty-five because Grod Hegarty or sixty forty. But at least send it to that battle and try and work it out. But teams are going to have to worry more about themselves going forward and try and come up with their own game plan and just 
look, go at them and don't be fearing because you're putting the fear, like you mentioned Brian Cody's team, there was fear in teams because Brian Cody's team and now it's John Coyley's team, but they'll have to go at them. Like, you know, but sure, the last three weeks I've been on with you, we've gotten to Limerick because they're, they're just the standard bearer at the moment. And I think as well, because it's difficult for us to assess exactly what the relative strength and depth of the teams and even the relative strength or shape of play of many of the teams in the league at the moment is. Um, I, I was making the case, I, don't know, I can't remember if it was here or not, but about Clare and... Uh, I think it was on OTBAM this week. It was like, of, of all of the All-Ireland contenders, because Clare was so slow to start the league campaign this year and because we hadn't seen them with all their best players, like we kind of forget that they were the ones who drove Limerick to extra time in a big game that Limerick wanted to win. And then obviously the collapse against Kilkenny was so deflating and so disappointing that maybe we we revised their Munster performance, but that doesn't make any sense either. So, like... Are Clare really that far away? Should they not be coming into this year yeah, thinking they're after getting they're after getting Adrian O'Brien in there? Like uh, for anyone that knows him, he's the SNC coach. He was the SNC coach with um, with uh, the Limerick Senior Footballers last year. He was with Ballier hurling and he was with Saint Finbar's hurling when they met in the Munster semi final. So both of these teams that he trained actually won their senior counties respective. Limerick footballers had a fantastic campaign underneath him last year and the year before he was getting the right. So he's coming as high regard, and I can guarantee you, no, know, I don't know the man very well, but I know his style. They're training hard at the moment, um, so I wouldn't be overly reading the Clare, uh, the Clare what you call it, um, farm books at the moment because I know he'll be trying to peak these guys for championship. Uh, so I think that that's some and like S and C coach. I know people or I was on about as well last week, but S and C coach was so important during the league because they're the guys that dictate the form of the players going into matches. They'd have been sickened over Limerick. I know that you know the way they perform, but then obviously coming out against Wexford and doing what they're doing, but. Again, I would definitely say they're up there, yeah. I, I would 100% the likes. I, I worked first-hand with Mark Rogers. He's back fully fit now and he's back playing with them like, and he's a superstar. Uh, they didn't have him for a lot of last year's campaign, so he did definitely be one of the contenders for me, yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, we have a new Kilkenny manager who we assume is going to keep things fairly similar to how it has been in the past, but we have to give him an opportunity to be his own man and there's some players still not back yet, uh, although we are hearing that there's going to be a reintroduction in the league of um, the the uh, two former hurlers of the year and uh, another yeah. all-star. And, and so, like, there's it's just hard to know what the truth is with this Kilkenny team as well. Yeah, like like over the years, it would have been fine when Belliel weren't coming back in because it was Brian Cody's team and we knew that was always the case. This year, it's a new manager and I think he's trying to just do one or two little tweaks about trying to keep the ball a bit shorter maybe over time and like a, a crowd that'll be hard to break down that way will be the Kilkenny's old-fashioned supporters and stuff like that. Like, But look, of course there, like Leinster is, like I know there's a lot of debates over the quality of Munster hurling and the quality of Leinster hurling. I think we can all agree that Munster hurling is more competitive that like you've got five teams that could get out you know what I mean any of the five could get out now we're all obviously expecting Limerick to be one of those like but after that then like you have teams that are fighting like cats and dogs in Leinster like you know it's four for three like you know um, and, and it's a real kind of a dog fight between the other ones but you'd always assume that Kilkenny would be one of them you know I know, I know Galway are there and you're like at the moment it looks like it's a fight between Wexford and Dublin to get the last spot but like Kilkenny should be fine Kilkenny will be fine they'll always be competitive and you know one thing for sure that they'll work hard Um and I just, it'll be interesting to see whether what kind of style, whether they consist consider to or continue, sorry, to go with the kind of more direct play, or will they kind of retain possession a little bit more that they tried to do last year, a bit more. I thought the second season for Henry Sheffield is obviously going to be very, um, mm. like you know, he had an immediate impact last year, and uh, they obviously fell short of where they wanted to be, but they they caused a lot of trouble, and you can see them. Um, 
Well, actually, I don't know what's going to happen with them this year. I, I yeah. you know, there's the there's the first year new manager excitement, and then this is the year where we actually get to see what the full full philosophy of of Shefflin and his backroom team are, and what the expectation is. And it's just it's not quite gelling at the moment. But again, like I, you know, it's very early, and uh, that's a a big physical. It's maybe less slightly less physical unit than it has been before, but they're still yeah still working it out. I think. I th- like I, I for me like you know every team is missing a young Joe Canning, but they're missing a young Joe Canning. I think they're firepower up front, like they're very dependent on Connor Wheel. And I know he only came on midfield in the second half uh, against Limerick last week, and they kind of put him out the field to get some scores or out the field. I don't know where exactly he came on, but like he is carrying the weight of Galway on his shoulders, like Joe Canning was now before. Um, when he's close to goal I just don't think they have the same amount of firepower now Conor Cooney coming back in as well Like, and what I found with Henry last year is he got more consistency out of life with him I think he's made Joseph Cooney into one of the best hurlers in the country I think a huge time for him uh, so back ways they seem to be okay I just think they need to find consistency of scoring in the forward line to push them to that next level Galway are always a learning contenders you know like when over the years and stuff like that but I just think they need to find one other forward that's going to be consistently chipping in with their scores what I found with Henry last year was he made them a harder working outfit, a consistently harder working outfit, sorry, is what I should say. Um, I thought before that they would have had a lot of inconsistencies. And, very, and I always compared them to us in Cork. We were When we were good, we were excellent. When we were poor, we were very poor. But I think he brought in a bit more consistency in work for it. But I'd love if they could find, for their own sake, just one other forward to back on or wheeling up on, on a consistent basis. And I think that's just at the moment in the league what they tend to be missing a bit. Where did that inconsistency in Cork come from, in your opinion now, looking back? Um, I suppose that like Jimmy even Jimmy used to say to us, say to us back in 13 and 14 like in 12 like, when we worked very hard we were one of the best teams in the country and when we didn't we weren't um, so I don't know was it an attitude thing from the players with us or was we just couldn't find the confidence Was it, it could have been confidence too like you know you, you, we spoke there like I spoke to people there about um, Bally Gunner like you know uh, staying in games and Bally Hale and Bally Hale staying in games in the club thing you know earlier on the year like and knowing that they have a chance um, and Limerick have that now because they know they have confidence. Maybe we just didn't have the confidence of crossing the line to keep consistently doing what worked well. Now, we got very close like at times, but uh, I just felt when it came to certain games that we didn't just get the get the extra out of it like you know that we could have done. But um, again, if, if I knew where consistency came from, um, I'd have a lot of phone calls to train into county teams <laughs> and just to let you know I didn't. <laughs> well, it's, it's presumably something that kind of is as you evolve into the next phase of your coaching life is something that you're going to um, think about. Can, you, can we go back to the, the Roy Keane thing, right? What what was the yeah. impact? Um, so Keane, the message seems to be like, look after the basics. Be brilliant at the basics. Yeah. Be world class at that. Did everybody take the message on board? Does, does that always land? Uh, yeah, not to be fair, no, that you were talking about the time there where you had the, like the Don Logs, the Brian Murphys, Ronan Corns, Ben O'Connors, Joe Deans. That was that team. That was the ultimate Cork team do you know what I mean like that was I was lucky enough to join their panel at the time um, and then like unfortunately over the years obviously different things happened the strike happened and stuff like that as well but uh, like that team I learned so much off them and they were brilliant at doing the basics they were brilliant at looking after themselves and stuff like that but it was a given like I think it's very similar to what Limerick have at the moment there was a kind of an unwritten rule insider that like you turned up you were you know you looked after yourself and you performed and like what Roy Keane got across there was like just you know the drive you could even hear the way he spoke about the drive he had the standards he set and it was after Saipan like you know um, and he spoke about like you know the reason he did it and stuff like that which everyone has obviously documented well documented since but he held his standards very high he trained very hard himself and he expected the same from his teammates and I think if you look from the outside at the Dublin team that did it for, for the football 
you know, and Limerick now, like the, those standards seem to be screaming out of those teams um, with silence. Do you know what I mean? They never speak about it, but they, you know, it seems to be the standard bearers and they seem to hold each other accountable. Now, again, I'm only speculating, but I think from any good sports person, you know, standards are held high in those dressing rooms over those times. And maybe that's what Roy Keane was getting across, like get your basics right, get yourself right. Like we go to, I, I always talk about Bill Belichick, like he, he came out in one, one uh, meeting or one interview once and he said, look, I tell my team, do your job. Like if every part of the management team, if every part of the playing staff do their job properly, no matter who you are, you're very hard to beat. Yeah, I, and uh, he's obviously operating at a very high level where he's telling everybody to do your job. There's footage of um, of them running through the play that ultimately stops the Seahawks on the line when the interception happens and they've they've done the work and the footage, I think it might be the America's Game or it could be whichever yeah. of the documentaries it is about it. You can see them kind of um, talking about this and if everybody does their job, we're going to win this game. Um, there's very few teams that reach that level but there's definitely that sense with the dubs in particular that they were always curious enough to be asking people outside for advice and help and humble enough to take it on board without thinking that they knew everything which is a very again you need the ego to be confident as you were saying to see out games we're the best team here but also to be like uh, how do I get better tell me that what are you doing like like that's the thing like see so there's different levels you know what I mean? Like, I can't go into a team in the morning and say, right, we're Dublin, we're going to do it. Like, obviously, you've got a very special bunch of players that are talented, like, you know, and, uh, but like, at the highest level of Lee McCarthy and Sam Maguire competitions, the majority of those teams are talented, they, like, you know, a lot of those players. Now, obviously, some more than others, but like, when you see a manager going in, like, and look, I'm a huge United fan, when you see what Van Hal, or, um, Jesus, Van Hal, my God, I've gone back to the bad times. When you see what um, Ten Hag is doing at the moment, like you know, that's why I was interested in your conversation yesterday about the Carsten Burkamp, like you know. Um, but when you when you when you see what these managers can do, like there's no point in coming in and saying we're going to be Dublin in the morning and into county football or Limerick and hurling without having the simplistic basic skills right. Like they were able to challenge those people and talk to those people because they had their game plan nailed and they had their basics right. Then they could progress to the next level of their improvement which is what you spoke about but there's no point in Dean Rock coming straight into a team that isn't winning and going out to find out you know the extra things without being a basic master if you get what I'm saying to you yeah yeah uh, it, it, I, I do think that um, that curiosity has probably has been some of them discovered it when they got to the environment but some of them brought that to the environment as who they were already like a lot of those players weren't anywhere near the finished article when they got to the team but yeah. then <clears throat> when they got to the when they got there they got better like there was a big setback in in several of their careers where you know you listen back now and you go through the stories Paddy Andrews gets dropped from Pat Gilroy's team and watches uh, at home there's a couple of others who are in that as well um, uh, like famously Cluxton gets sent off in an All-Ireland semi-final and the manager essentially throws him under the bus afterwards that's mm. why they lost even though the manager takes off the centre half back and Armagh comes storming through the middle and kick five points and reach the All-Ireland final and go on to win it. So, you know, the, the culture was bad. They got the culture fixed, but then the individuals in it were all constantly... So it, it wouldn't just have been Roy Keane coming to the whole group. They all, they, you know, yeah. Keane's obviously a big example, but they were all desperately curious to try and be better and kind of be the one at training who's coming and going, oh, I, I found this thing out. Do you know about this? Mm. Yeah, no, that, like that's... Like for us, for us coming in, like, but like... Do you know, I, I love, I, I told you this before, like if I see two flies walking up a wall, I consider it a race. Like, so I love all kinds of sports. So I would have always kind of tried and tinkered and tampered with my game to see is there any improvements that I could do as well. Like, and it mightn't be that I, mightn't be the mental thing. It could have been, and you know, um, I would have 
tried all different kinds of hurlies and everything like that. I think young fellas coming in can kind of breed a breath of fresh air as well. Like, you know, like when Dara Fitzgibbon, the likes of Luke Mead, what they brought into me, it was like an old dog seeing a puppy. Like, you know, it brought my bit of life back together because they see, you know, how they thought about the game and everything like that then as well. But like, we, you know, looking back at it, like maybe we just weren't at that point. Like, like under Jimmy, our best hurling came because we were confident and Jimmy was Jimmy. Like, you know what I mean? And he was just... Uh, like whatever but being the best manager he was the best man manager as well like you know he just knew how to make us feel tall and stuff like that but I don't think we ever reached the peak of of the Dublin hurlers or Dublin footballers or you know what I mean so like you know it's something that I don't know what exactly it was um, I'd love to know but was your, uh, we got close Was your curiosity there when you were 16, 17 or when you got to the, the senior panel were you looking no, around Senior panel Right Senior panel looking around yeah like a learning off the likes of Don Logue learning off the likes of the, like all of those Ben O'Connors, Ron O'Connors, I picked their brains. Like you know, I was annoying. I was annoying. No, I didn't join till I was, I didn't join till I was twenty-one. But I was still an annoying little shit. Like you know, I was going around wrecking their heads, wondering what was going on. Like you know, and in fairness, they were all very open. Um, Don Logue said to me once he was very open with me because he thought I'd never um, <laughs> be a challenge or a threat to him. Like you know, early in my stage because I was carrying weight when I first joined. Like and then, um, you know, I went away and just looked at everybody else around the dressing room. So. It was a case of looking around, not even asking and seeing the way guys held themselves and how they looked after themselves for me was a big thing. Like, you know, it was just leadership out of being a leader. Like, and, uh, you know, for me, it was a huge eye opener for me. Yeah. Like that Cork team is an all time great team, you mm. know, uh, mm. for various reasons, which someday we will get into, but not today. Um, yeah. You know, that, that rivalry with Kilkenny turned that Kilkenny yeah. team into the greatest team of all time in the same way that the rivalry that Munster Rugby had with Leinster ended up turning Leinster into the best Irish team that we've ever seen for a period of time as well. Like you, you need to be driven on to greatness and particularly in, in elite sport. And so that it is really interesting to hear that that change room had that same ethic and curiosity. And I would say humility is the other aspect of that. Yeah, like I, I heard heard after, I think the Armagh footballers came down to inquire about it. Now that might be improving and that Munster Rugby were inquiring about the setup when I first joined, like as in, no, I had nothing to do with it. So I'd be able to say that, like the setup was so professional. Like we just turn up and, like our gear was washed for us hanging up on the on the rail, like you know, um, you know, your towels given to you, you'd everything like that. Small bits, all you'd turn up was with a good attitude, like, um, you know, there's people looking to get involved. Like I remember, you'd be handed a booklet of gear and say, look, pick this company, want to throw in a bit of gear to you there. There was it was huge hype around car curling at the time, but with that, like, there was no, like, you know, there was no shits, like, there was no big headedness. It was, you know, confidence in their own ability and confidence in each other. That, you know, it was it was great to see, like, and how great athletes they were like you know I remember seeing Sean Og for the first time up close like and couldn't believe there was like you know there was muscles and muscles like you know what yeah. I mean like I was I was a chubby little fella coming into the dressing room like so it was just the way they held themselves it was it was an eye open massive eye opener for me and a lot of my career that I was able to extend because of it would have come from a lot of their their habits then as well like you know uh, I once played 15 minutes of a game third level uh, against DCU and accidentally ran into Sean Og and that was the end of that was the end of, end <laughs> oh, of my time. It was incredible. Like, I yeah. mean, I, well, actually, I opened my eyes to me was the most food you see. Jesus Christ, the man used to have a mountain of potatoes. After I used to be thinking they cut out the food, but he trained so hard. Like, Jesus, like, oh, he was just he was just an incredible, he was a professional like in, a, in an athlete, in an amateur's game. I'd say I was eating the same amount of food but not doing quite the same amount of training. And, uh, <laughs> that's right, man, at the moment, yeah. That's, that's what exactly happens. Like, so if you're working on my mental therapy, now I just get back on you for my physical <laughs> side of it. <laughs> very good, very good. Anthony, great to have you with us again this week. All Thanks right, a million. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a million, boy. Thanks very much.